Welcome to the Straight to the Cut podcast, hosted by Moses Ola, your new home, your new home, your new home of the NBA. They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! With six tenths of a second remaining. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala. Up for the last. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Straight to the Cup podcast. I'm your host, Moses Ola, and it is a joy to be here for another episode. I would like to say, you know, apologies for not having more frequent episodes, you know, consistency uh, and procrastination are the banes of all of our lives. Um, and we got to do more, you know, to, to defeat that. But it's a good job that the NBA waits for nobody. All right. And, and you know, NBA drama, trades, um, you know, it doesn't wait for me. And it's a good job now that we have a, a lot of things to cover in this episode. Right. So from last night, I'm sure most of you heard the big woge bomb of the trade uh with john wall and russell westbrook and that's what we intend to cover today and the impact of this trade on the washington wizards and the houston rockets franchise looking at the eastern conference the western conference and also some other news that's come up in the nba since we last uh recorded and you know we have a lot to get into today but before we start what's in my cup today Another bottle of red, obviously. Um, but this is uh, some Spanish Rioja, my favorite. So if you actually you know, ever want to get me a bottle, please, please, please uh, make it some uh, Rioja. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so today's episode... It's just about looking through, you know, the, the trade of John Wall or Russell Westbrook. What does this mean for the Washington Wizards? What does this mean for the Houston Rockets? Okay, um, we know there's a lot to dissect from from so many different sides, right? Um, looking at obviously what's happened prior to this point and what does that actually mean um, for the respective franchises? So just to start, let me explain a bit of the trade and what happened, what Woj and Shams reported last night. So um, the Houston Rockets and Washington Wizards came to an agreement uh, to trade John Wall and Russell Westbrook, as well as Washington sending the Houston Rockets a 2023 protected first round pick. Uh, it's a top 10 protected pick. So that basically means that if the Wizards are um, in the lottery, so uh, basically get the 10th pick or above, in 2023 they get to keep that pick um otherwise they have to send that pick to houston rockets and it's very very important to look at some of the details in this pick because it gives you some context to why it took so long for this trade to happen you know what were the um implications what were some of the things that the gms were, were thinking about because i think shams initially reported that John Wall and Russ Westbrook, this trade um, was a possibility ever since Westbrook uh, put in his trade request a few weeks ago. But you had a moment of silence. I think it's been about three weeks, four weeks now where you've not been having any activity from um, either teams on this trade because Houston initially wanted to uh, 
receive multiple first round picks or maybe a first and a second or combination just to see you know what sort of value they could get for Russell Westbrook and unfortunately for them what they realize is that you know trading Russell Westbrook you weren't really going to get value back okay uh, because this is the thing you know they could have traded him weeks ago it's just what are you going to get back are you going to get any value back and I think you know the Houston Rockets pretty much after being backed into a corner realized look we're not going to get any trade value for this guy um the NBA season is starting in three weeks training cap starting this week or pretty much from Friday right um we need to make a move now because this guy is not going to be happy when he comes into camp. So they picked up the phone and they were able to get the deal done in a matter of hours, right? After having stalemate for a few weeks. And we need to understand, you know, what, what does that mean, right? So why is it that they've come down from the initial asking price of multiple first round picks? Could this possibly mean that James Harden's also on the way out, that they have something in place to get both Westbrook and Harden out by the start of the uh, of the season you know reports have come out and said no they intend to start with Harden and Wall um, at the start of the season but obviously they have to take that they have to take that stand because you want to still find value right for whatever trade that you might make so it's a it's a it's a bit of a um, complex situation here because you know Houston Rockets don't really have much leverage in this situation here, right? Both of their stars want to leave, and ultimately it's a player's league. You have to end up trading these guys. Brooklyn has come in for James Harden, and there's been talk there of a trade. Um, and for me, I'm thinking, look, if they're, if they're able to get this Westbrook deal done now, they might have something in the pipeline for Harden. But we're going to get into that and the implication of the Houston Rockets. Um, but first of all, I think I want to start with a perspective of the Washington Wizards and what this could mean for their franchise. Because, right, this is a team that last season went 25-47 and 47, pretty much was an experimental year for them in which they wanted to see the progression the development of some of their young guys some of their young core including Hachimura Thomas Bryant um Troy Brown Jr right so a, f a few guys there that they probably saw a lot of promise there and they could build a team around Bradley Beal and you know they they actually did manage to uh go to the bubble and make some sort of a push towards trying to get into that play-in uh, for the eighth spot but this is how you know that this franchise was very unserious last season right they came into the bubble they came into the bubble in the eastern conference they were ninth right so to get into the play-in you needed to be between i think within four games of the eighth seed so they came into the eastern uh, conference uh, uh, bubble in ninth and somehow left the bubble in 10th 10th position right so the charlotte hornets did not come to the bubble they did not play a single game but managed to move up in the standings because of how despicable and just damn right awful the washington wizards were when they were in the bubble so it just goes to show you that this is a team that was pretty much unserious for the whole of last season they saw it as a year of look we just need to try and develop the guys around Beal and unfortunately for Beal you know this is a guy that had an all-star caliber year all-NBA caliber year but because of the way the team performed and the fact that they weren't able to do anything meaningful he missed out on the all-star game he missed out on all-NBA considerations and this is a guy now that look he signed a two-year extension at the beginning 
beginning of the season. But that's a view of, look, management, this is your last chance to prove to me that this team can win, right? I'm an unrestricted free agent in two seasons. Okay. And, you know, management also are looking at it and saying, look, we pretty much have one year to convince this guy, okay, we're at least on an upwards trend and probably another year to convince him, all right, this is a team that can do something meaningful in the playoffs. I still believe... Bradley Beal will walk in free agency in 2023. It's just a thing where you, for franchises like Washington, who have no chance of ever winning the championship in the short to medium term, they want to remain relevant. They want to be able to sell tickets. They want to be able to give fans some sort of excitement and some sort of reason to come in um, to watch games. And also for Bradley Beal, this is a guy that wants to make the all-star game. He wants to make all-NBA and really have the accolades to go along with his play, right? So he needs to be in a situation where his team can win so he can get the recognition that he deserves. So, you know, the, the trade clock there was ticking for Bradley Beal. So these are part of the reasons why Washington had to make this trade, right? It became a situation where it was sort of Wall versus Beal. Who are we going to take? Who are we going to build this team around and have the future, you know, for? Because you had a situation where so Bradley Beal um, was injured, I think, in the 2018 season and hasn't played a lick of basketball since, right? Um, prior to his injury in the 17-18 season, he was dealing with bone spurs. His his player declined. He wasn't moving well off the ball. He wasn't moving at all on the court, right? And they had a situation where in his two years uh, of injury, Bradley Bill has come into his own. Bradley Bill has shown the world that, look, I am an all-star. I'm an all-NBA player, right? You had so many reports of him potentially being a third star for the Lakers or um you know big maybe the Clippers or teams in free agency that needed a star okay are looking at Brad we're looking at Bradley Beal over the past year past two years okay so Washington really needed to make a decision between John Wall or Bradley Beal you know in addition to um Bradley Beal's performance as well you had a situation where with John Wall and his injury you don't really know what he's coming back to be you don't really know if he can ever um be the explosive player he was because this is a guy right he's coming off uh, a serious injury right i think it was an achilles injury uh sorry uh, acl if i'm not wrong if i'm not mistaken um and you just know that somebody that relies so much on his athleticism somebody that relies so much on being explosive driving to the rim he's not a great shooter you know in the same mold really of a russell westbrook right after such a significant amount of time off does he still have that same explosives does he still have that quick first step you know um and and there's just so many unknowns you know if even if he comes back to 75 percent of what he was okay is that a team that can still make a meaningful push in the playoffs. You had also the situation with him in the summer where, look, man, uh, lack of a better word, you know, like this, this guy, right? You know what? You know where he was raised. You know where he was raised. Um, growing up, okay, and he was caught in the summer, right, with his shirt off, throwing gang signs, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> showing that he was always he's a crip and and what's you know this and that it's like man niggas will always be niggas like lack of a better word you know niggas will always be niggas right and this guy's throwing gag sides and ownership do not want do not want the the face of their franchise right the the leader of their franchise to probably give off that sort of um you know just lack of awareness really of the importance of, of him to to the team and i don't think that was why they they traded him i think it's more about performance and the implications of his contract you know earning 130 30 odd million over the next three years and not really knowing what sort of player they were going to get back so it was a situation where they had to make a decision between Bradley Beal and John Wall. And I think they made the right decision. You know, Bradley Beal is 27. He's just in, entering his prime years. um, And you have some good complementary pieces, right? And the Wizards seem to have gone all in, right? They they extended Bertans five years, 80 million. That pretty much takes away any clap, uh, cap f- flexibility that they had previously. um, And now you're having a situation where, you know, Bradley Beal was part of the people within um, uh, Washington that's like, okay, let's try and push and get like a Westbrook and replacement for, for, for John Wall. Does that necessarily mean that, you know, in their primes, like Westbrook is a significantly better point guard than John Wall? I wouldn't say so. But I think Westbrook presents less risk, more sensitive. You know, this is a guy last season, there was a stretch, I think, of about 20-odd, 20 20 odd games where he was averaging 31 and 7 right and and he was shooting like 52 percent from the floor being one of the best scorers in the paint even better than Giannis for example right and this is a guy that's still in his prime years coming off before last season three straight seasons of averaging a triple double but if you were to ask me if you were to sit here and ask me okay take both of their prime years right and who is the better point guard point guard i can't definitively say russell westbrook is a better point i think russell Westbrook is a better player um definitely more dynamic um and but if you, you know but the question is who impacts winning more okay and to me as much as russell westbrook stats fly out and his way that he plays the game you know with, with this heart and his sleeve and everything i just don't see Russell Westbrook being a better wins added player even in the season where he averaged a triple double and he got his team in the eighth seed what did they win I think 40 odd games 45 games and that's a great achievement don't get me wrong I just think that John Wall probably um could have achieved the same record without doing the triple double average right does does that mean that he's a worse player no I think it means that they they probably impact winning to a similar ability, but to me, because of John Wall is a better point guard and can get other players in you know involved in his play more, doesn't have as high of a usage rate, is more efficient than Westbrook. You know, that to me um screams okay, this is I can can play in a multiple of uh, different systems with, with a different um type of players around him, right? And get shooters open, get the um uh, the the rim runners lob threats and all these sort of things but you know on the face of it after the injury and the things that have happened to him you kind of understand the situation where the Houston Rockets are looking at is look okay uh, sorry the, the Washington Wizards are looking at okay look we need to minimize risk going into a season where it's pretty much all or nothing especially with Bradley Beal's contract so that explains really from the Washington Wizards point of view why they wanted to make the trade 
And, you know, what are the five things to look out for with the Wizards? Okay, so look, going into the season, we, we want to look at five key things that the impact of this trade could have on, on this team. Okay, so number one, right, the lineups starting and closing four, right, who, who, who uh, sorry starting and closing five who fits in at each position what does this mean for the depth for the development of the young players we want to look at some of these uh, key players so development of Hachimura or Thomas Bryant Bonga of Dia Brown you know and also look at where they could finish in the in the east okay so these are the four or five things that we need to look at so starting with number one okay starting team right who who or starting or closing team who plays for the Washington Wizards who plays um in the small forward positions power forward positions etc because now with Westbrook coming in you would say obviously the point guard position is a lock and then um at guard you would have uh at two guard you would have Bradley Beal um and then you would say, okay, Thomas Bryant is a lock-in, is a shoe-in for their starting center role because obviously they were able to pick up Robin Lopez in the off-season. Um, you know, they, they overpaid, in my opinion, right? Paying him five million a year or something for a guy that probably made the vet min last year of two and a half million. But you had a situation where, look, this team has no ability to defend the paint um, and they just need uh, a big anchor, really, somebody that can come in and impact um, on the defensive end immediately a veteran presence and that's probably why they had to overpay right so even if you have okay Russell Westbrook Bradley Beal Thomas Bryant right you would say for the closing lineups you would have Davis Bertans at the four okay but for the starting lineups you would probably have Rui Hachimura starting at the four because this is a player who I think they picked in the ninth pick overall last season you know they invested a lot into him uh, in terms of minutes and his and, and play him starting pretty much every single game for them uh last season except for the five games in which isaac bunker kicked him in the nuts which i still can't get over um right so you have a situation where look because of how the the franchise looks at Rui Hachimura and where that he could be for their future he probably starts games but you would expect davis bertans to close games in that four spot which means that three spot right the small forward spot is really high up in the air right you could have isaac bonger in that position you could have the recent draft on another ninth overall pick in danny advia right rui hachimura could probably slide down to the three even though he's a natural four right and the things you look out for him playing at the three is you know his lateral quickness his ability to stay in front of guys and his uh defensive alertness and being able to you know read off ball and we'll get into hachimura's uh we talk more on, on this podcast right so you have a situation where you'd say okay there are four players in that closing lineup that are lock westbrook beal bertans and Bryant. and the wing rotation that number three spot the small forward pot is the real problem that still remains for the wizards okay and that there even that starting lineup though that with the four in there and maybe you could have a five and on a situational game you could play rehatch moro you could play bongo you could play avdia depending on you know the matchup for the night i think that front for that starting four or closing four is solid is very solid right compared against some of the teams that they would be facing you know for contention for the playoffs in in the east i think after you go far past the you know the top five teams in the east so now let's say you're comparing them against the indianas of the world or the charlottes or the magic i don't think they can name a better closing four than that team okay um 
and 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 to me with Westbrook adding to this team you also have to look at the fit around him right you have two guys on that in that closing lineup there or starting lineup that I would count as stickers right so you as defenses um um, look at the you know this team and prepare for the for for going up against the Wizards. You have two guys that you say we can't help off of these guys, right? Because Davis Bertans, my goodness, probably second best shooter in the league, third best shooter in the league, right? You know, Steph, Duncan Robinson, Davis Bertans um, are in that conversation of you know obviously Steph's the best shooter in the league, but you know Bertans, Robinson, in terms of catch and shoot, coming off pin downs. Um, I think Bertan shot what forty five percent of nine attempts a game. Do you know how insane? Do you know how insane that is? Do you know how insane that is? That guy is a flamethrower, um, and that's why look. That's why he deserved the five years, eighty million. But I don't think Russell Westbrook has ever played with a shooter that is a real sticker, right? You cannot help off this guy. Obviously, he had KD in OKC, and KD is a great, you know, uh, 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 shooter in his right, but, you know, not really uh, a catch-and-shoot threat because, you know, KD's going to have the ball in his hands or um, he also gives you the opportunity to drive and he can play, make, and all this stuff. But in terms of catch-and-shoot cones, right, Davis Bertans probably easily the best shooter that Russell Westbrook's played with. And also Bradley Beard as well, somebody who shoots in the high 30s, um, nearly 40% uh, uh, on threes as well. But then just like KD, Bradley Beard, you can't really help off him because he can kill you in multiple ways. He can kill you from the catch and shoot. He can kill you from the drive. He can kill you from his ability to play, make and get others involved. So you're not going to give um, Bradley Beard a wide open look. So this makes this, this, this really spaces the floor for Westbrook, who we know is inefficient. I put in a post um, last night of his inefficiency. Kurt Goldsbury does this really good shot chart. But you had a situation where under D'Antoni, Westbrook started to realize, look, my strengths are going to the paint, right, and driving and being an elite paint finisher. And unfortunately for him, going into the bubble and the playoffs, due to COVID and his quadricep injury, just didn't have that burst, that energy. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the Lakers game planned well against him. So... I think, though, in this new environment, in this new team under Scott Brooks, somebody who's coached Westbrook before, let's not forget, uh, um, with OKC, right? This is a guy that will will know how to get the best out of Russell Westbrook. So, you know, it's it's definitely a very very interesting lineup for me, right? And 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 that's you know that's the first point that we have to look for. Who's playing small forward? Look on some nights. It could be Bonga because of defensive versatility, or it could be Hachimura, it could be Avdia who's able to play make. Uh, and we'll go into the, some of these guys uh, uh, later on in the pod. But number two, right? What do we need to look for apart from just the starting and closing lineups? Depth and quality, right? Depth and quality is still an issue for the Washington Wizards, okay? Because I think they have. Uh, I was reading a, 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 a post on on the on an article on the Athletic the other day, which showed that look, these guys have depth in numbers in terms of players that can play similar positions and being strong. Um, let's say one to ten, one to fifteen, etc. But you don't have depth in quality because a lot of these players are promising young talents, high upside. Um, you know, uh, but then also you know low floors. Um, 
sort of players that still need developing, still like 21 years of age, 22 years of age, you know, who's going to hit the ground running? Who's going to be able to prove that they deserve considerable minutes in a win now scenario, right? You have a situation where, you know, Scott Brooks is entering his final year of management um, of, of his contract with the Washington Wizards and his mandate is to win and get into the playoffs. Can he trust some of the, you know, young guys who, although showed promise last year, were only able to win 25 games? So let's look at the, their depth, right? So behind Russell Westbrook would be Ish Smith and Raul Neto. You know, these guys would probably be your second, third string uh, uh, point guards in any team pretty much in, in, in the league. You know, you probably wouldn't be wanting to give Raul Neto 15 minutes a night, but you probably give him five to eight minutes or eight to 10 minutes, or sort of thing. Ish Smith can probably provide you um, some good minutes. He's able to, you know, push the floor, uh, ball down the floor with his uh, speed and play at a high pace. But, you know, these, these are just point guards that look, West, West, Westbrook's probably going to play 35 minutes a night anyway. So it's just about sorting out the remaining 13 minutes for the point guard position. You could rotate between Ish Smith and Raul Neto on some nights. At guard, you'd have Bradley Beal, obviously being the starting shooting guard. And then behind him, you have Troy Brown. And Jerome Robinson, you know, again, two young high upside players who started coming to their own. Troy guard is Troy Brown is pretty much a, a combo guard, somebody that can play um, a bit of point, a bit of two guard. Played a bit of point in the bubble, showed some upside, some ability to play make, but lacks the you know the defensive ability of a point guard. His speed and ability to stay in front of small guards. Jerome Robinson started hitting threes at an absurd rate as well in the bubble, so maybe he can come in and play some minutes if he can sustain that level of shooting. At the small forward spot, you would have Isaac Bonga, Danny Avdia. Again, twenty-one year olds, twenty-two year olds that you know have you know, not a great deal of NBA experience and they're still finding their own footing in the league, right? Uh, and then in the power forward sport, you'd have Rue Hachimura, Davis Bertans. So that's definitely a good uh, depth there. Uh, and then in the center, you'd have Thomas Bryant, Robin Lopez, again, good depth there. But, you, you know, the, the situations, and, and especially going to a year with COVID and not having certainty really on which players will be able to play on any given night. You want to be able to sort out that wing rotation. You need to be able to sort out the, you know, the guard rotation. Can Troy Brown Jr. show that, look, he can shoot the ball well and he can play make well? Does he need to have a point guard next to him at all times? Probably, you know, what does that do to the lineups of the bench, right? Can Jerome Robinson probably play some minutes as well um, and, and show that, look, he's, he, he can be able to shoot as consistently as he did in the bubble, right? And and then also, you know, um, within the center spot, okay, as, as good as, you know, Thomas Bryant is and his upside as well, which we're going to go into, can he, you know, give you the defensive ability uh, as a Robin Lopez? And if you play a Robin Lopez with a Russell Westbrook, what does that mean for in terms of spacing? So a lot, a lot for Scott Brooks to think about in terms of lineups and combinations and what that could mean um, for them going forward. But this is a this is a win now year, right? The, the the time for experimenting is is closing. Okay, Bradley Beal needs to show, you know, needs to feel that this this team um is able to 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 get him right the accolades that he he feels that he deserves so you might see a situation where some of these young guys like you might get 
five games to only prove your worth you might get four games to only prove your worth you know you wouldn't get 10 15 games right as you did last year where you were stinking up the joint but you know that look you, you can do in a year where you you're only looking at 20 odd wins right so um even guys like so mo wagner for example right he's now a third string center right in the rotation will you get many minutes probably not probably five to eight minutes a night if that right you know it's if there are nights where Robin Lopez isn't available or Brian isn't available. Um, so you have a situation now where, you know, guys like Troy Brown and Jerome Robinson, look, if you are not able to hit the ground running, what does that mean for your minutes, right? Avdia, right? We've we've heard that this is a guy that can play make, this is a guy that, you know, doesn't have the shooting um, or the defense maybe that's NBA ready, but his ability to, you know, board and go, which means, you know, rebound, push the pace, probably will help him but if he struggles 10 games into the season 15 games into the season what does that mean for his minutes right so it's 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 a bit of a weird year right you want to win now you also want to develop guys right how do you find that balance in the final year of your contract scott brooks you know good job you're the you're the manager and not me and, and let's go into you know as a third point let's go into some of the development of some of these guys because this is what's going to be key for not only the short to medium term or short term, sorry, looking for one, one, looking at the next one to two years, but also the medium term and the long term for this franchise that's invested heavily in drafting, invested heavily in you know the likes of Hachimura and Avdia and also Bongo, who they got from the Lakers, I think, in a trade uh, when AD was going to the Pelicans. You know what can they? What do they want to? See? You know Thomas Bryant, for example, right? Let's. What what do they want to see from these guys going forward? For them to be, you know, a third option, fourth option, be in the rotation, crack meaningful minutes and be used in, you know, meaningful games so you're not asking Bradley Beal to play, you know, 42 minutes in regular season or Westbrook to play 41 minutes in regular season, right? What do we want to see from the development of some of the guys? So let's start with... Hachimura. What's his profile? You know, he's a slasher. He's an athletic forward, you know, potential of being you know switchable in defense um and having some playmaking ability right you know this is a guy in his first season in the league i think offensively showed that he can uh finish in the paint quite well and he can be good in the post right he had some moves in the post but where's where are the real red flags with hatchmora and just like with every rookie that comes into the league and i said this before in um the the previous episode we had look don't ever expect any rookie to come into the league and be better than a replacement player this is you know that's against the odds especially for ones that aren't taken in the top three picks okay but the main problem for Hachimura last season was his inability or unwillingness to shoot the ball, okay? Even when he's wide open, um, because he doesn't believe in the shot, he doesn't have the rhythm, um, he doesn't um, he doesn't have confidence, basically, in taking these shots. But if you're playing with Russell Westbrook, if you're trying to get, you know, be a third option and and get meaningful minutes 20 25 minutes 30 minutes a night you need to be able to take these shots in rhythm and it's it's a kind of like a chicken and egg scenario because i've had this this sort of debate with people on twitter before that say you know ben simmons shouldn't shoot Giannis shouldn't shoot you know guys that are sub 30 percent three-point shooters should pass up the shot when it's given to them you know what westbrook shouldn't shoot for example and it's like okay should you take the decision of shooting these shots when they're open and waiting for the accuracy to come or practicing these shots um, in, in, in practice and 
you know, having the accuracy come there and then being able to put them in game. But in the meanwhile, you're not taking these shots when they're open in the game. And it's like, which one do we want to do first? And my, my opinion of this has always been, you have to shoot the shots. You have to have to shoot the shots because of two things, right? Let's look at this. You, you, you're in a situation where, look, let's say Giannis or Ben Simmons, probably not Ben Simmons because he, he needs to even just start with some flipping uh, eight feet to 10 feet out, get some mid-range or something, you know, outside of just uh, finishing the paint. But let's look at a Giannis, for example, or an Embiid, right, who's a 33% or 35%, you know, Giannis probably being a 31% shooter, right? You're looking at this from a statistical point of view as if you're a 30% shooter, Right, and let's say each possession ends with you shooting the three. On average, right, you would generate per possession, right? Let's say you shot the ball um, at the end of that possession, you would generate 0 0.99 points per possession, right? Which basically is your 30% uh, times three points that you would get from behind the arc. Now, is that is that really oh okay let's so so zero point you you'd actually get zero point nine points per possession right or let's say if you're a thirty three percent shooter you'd get zero point nine nine points per possession is that tenable in the NBA no it's not tenable in the NBA because you have offenses you know like the Dallas Mavericks or you know just using them as a comparison who generate one hundred and sixteen points per possession right so you know you'd be losing game so one hundred sixteen points per hundred possessions right so um if if every single shot ended with you hitting a three point three uh, shooting a three point and you were a 33 percent shooter your team would generate 99 points per 100 possessions right and you would lose every single game you know you you would lose every single game okay um so that's the argument from a statistical point of view if you're less than a you know 35 36 37 percent shooter you can't generate you know 100 102 103 points per possession right you shouldn't be shooting these shots but that's discounting the um variance of the three-point shot Okay, because if we look at it from the average point of view, yes, you shouldn't be shooting these shots, but from the variance, right? I want to look at a player like Lou Dort, for example, right? Lou Dort, not a great three-point shooter, good free-throw shooter, right? But not a great three-point shooter, um, but he caught fire in the playoffs in Game 7 with OKC versus um, Houston Rockets. Lou Dort hit six threes and went for 30 points that night. Ultimately, they ended up losing the game because of, to me, it was, you know, bad coaching uh, game management from Billy Donovan and, you know, uh, Houston Rockets just having more talent over the um, seven games, I guess. But Lou Dort hit six threes. And you know what happened once he hit three number two or number three? Defenses started to overreact. They started to close him down you know, and then that opened up the game for him because he can drive, he can then go to the paint, he can get others involved, he can finish, he can get free throw line. And that's the point. That's the point to me because look, Giannis is going to get left open, Ben Simmons is going to get left open. But if you have a night, right, where the variance is there, you hit one or two threes, you know, and that can change the course of a playoff series. Lou Dort hitting six threes that night. If the, the if the OKC had um, you know handled the rest of the the game as well, they would have won that series. And that's the difference to me. You cannot say, look, because I'm a thirty percent shooter or less than thirty five percent shooter, 
I'm not going to hit these threes because that allows the defense to play your team four against five, which is what the Houston Rockets did against OKC. And to Lou Dort, you know, Chris Paul's telling Lou Dort, shoot the damn ball. You have to shoot the ball. And I, look, if Chris Paul's telling a, a, a bad free throw, um, three-point shooter to shoot the ball, I don't care what second spectrum is saying. I don't care what, you know, um, these data and analysts from basketball reference are saying. You have to shoot and keep the defense honest. End of the day, look, it's the NBA, right? When you shoot, you might get a rebound, you might get a second chance, you know, but you have to shoot these shots and show that you are at least willing to keep the defense honest because they're just going to defend four against five all, all game. So Hachimura definitely needs to learn to shoot the ball, um, and, and he was able to look against the Bucks, I think, in the playoffs where, you know, the Bucks play a lot of drop coverage and give up above the break threes like nothing else to, to teams. Hachimura went three of nine. Um, some shots he didn't shoot in rhythm, but some that were wide open, you know, he had time to uh, ball himself a copper and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, he will be getting those shots, especially playing with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And he has to take these shots and make these shots if he wants to be a viable third option in the team. And then also his defensive ability, you know, lack of defense, off ball especially, um, that's something that he needs to improve on. You know, on ball, because of his size and athleticism, he can definitely guard that four spot. But does he have the lateral quickness to, you know, to slide and stay in front of um, defenders, take charges, all these sort of things if he plays the three spot, okay? Because the way the NBA is going, a lot of fours, a lot of power fours tend to be stretch fours, right? So um, standing in the corner waiting for a shot or be inside in the post right you don't really get the dynamic fours anymore like Dirk Nowitzki and uh, you know Anthony Davis really these are um, elite 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 power forwards uh, that you don't get in team to team so he might be able to um, specialize in the way he defends um, at the four spot but at the three spot you know you're guarding a lot of guys who are going to have the ball in hand so he needs to definitely show an improvement from that but this is a team that was just damn right awful uh, you know defensively uh, I think they, they, they allowed 125 points per 100 possessions like like what that's like that was I think the second worst defense in the league last year but in any given year, that would be the worst defense in the league. Okay, um, so they need to definitely improve. Then you know, it starts with guys like him um, and and the other def uh, young young guys improving. Right, number point number four. Right, let's look at the development of Thomas Bryant as well, um, and then some of the other guys like Bong Bonga Avdia Brown. Right, so Thomas Bryant again is a third year center um, who. Uh, going into last season, so at the end of last season, especially in the bubble, came to his own on the offensive standpoint and also defensively being able to anchor the paint more and being more switched on. Um, you know, Bryant shot 40% from three on two attempts per game, right? For the entire season, not just in the, in, in the bubble, for the entire season, he did that. And to me, if he can maintain the ability to shoot 40% on two attempts a game, probably maybe two and a half attempts a game or three attempts a game, whatever it, it is, um, and reduce the amount of mid-range shots that he takes, that is an that is one of the that is automatically one of the best offensive centers in the league. You get into a bracket there of you know a Bam Adebayo and Jokic. Obviously Bam not a three-point threat, but very good in pick and roll and being able to playmake as well. That opens the game for him. But you know you're getting to that that 
that league of um, ADs and Jokic and Embiid and stuff, if you're able to stretch the floor as a as a stretch five and shoot that well, and, and I was looking at some clips of Thomas Bryant that you can check out on the Straight to the Cup uh, Instagram page. When he shoots the ball, it's not a fluke. He's going up in motion, in rhythm, right? And he believes in his shot. That's the most important thing. And he's going to have to take more of those shots because, look, if you're able to have a pick and pop situation with Westbrook as your point guard, my goodness, the way that's going to open the pass, the, the, you know, the driving lanes for Westbrook and open, um, you know, shooters uh space for shooters as well because look you're gonna have to help on westbrook right if the center right in, in a pick and pop situation where um the, the 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 defensive center has to leave westbrook right and take on the defensive assignment of bryant in the pick and pop and not not follow westbrook and the pick and pop right that's going to either give um uh westbrook an opportunity to drive in the lane or if there's a help defender, that's going to give him a wide open kick out. Okay, and also if the if the center does follow his assignment on Westbrook rather than uh, defending Bryant, that gives Bryant an open wide open three point shot. Okay, wide open three point shot, which he's shooting forty percent at, right? Which is one point two um, points basically per possession, which is you know outstanding. That's one hundred twenty points per hundred possession. That's one of the best. That's that would be one of the best um, offensive. Uh, sets within the league or offensive uh, plays within the league okay so you need a situation where um, Brian is able to consistently hit that shot and also improve in the defensive end you know take some charges okay be able to you know block some shots be switched on this is the thing you're what you're 610 611 the most you have to do or the least sorry the least you have to do is be switched on be able to say look I'm gonna um, read read the, the way the offense is going I'm going to be in the right spots at the right time obviously you're going to have Westbrook who's going to be able to communicate and hold yourself accountable and in, in a year where it's not an experimental year and you're not tanking I think a lot of these guys will be switched on Bradley Bill will be switched on um, you know Scott Brook is going to hound you and make sure that you get to the spots at the right time and if you don't you're going to be benched because Robin Lopez is there now okay Robin Lopez is there now and he's going to be a veteran pay, uh, person that can anchor the paint so um, you know we need to look at his development as well and go into this season additionally i think isaac bunga is a very interesting prospect right he's probably the best defensive small forward that they have um switchable what six foot seven uh good playmaking he can be on the ball can be off the ball uh struggles to shoot and he's probably error prone in some of his playmaking as of now but he's 21 years old okay and on some nights you're just looking at him as you know um somebody that can take on any defensive assignment really um be an off-ball pest be somebody that can just um disrupt the flow of opposing small forwards additionally avdia you know somebody who they said going to the draft was probably the most nba ready player of the top 10 picks you know, because of his, his uh previous experience playing in europe this is a guy who is what six six nine right and can pretty much play um the point position a point forward position basically where he has the ball in his hands at all times or most of the time um and is able to you know push the pace and uh make the right passes at the right time but then what does he struggle with shooting free throw defensive switches right can he be able to guard um small forwards i don't know in the nba because of his lack of athleticism um which they've said going to the draft but we have to look at it because these are the same things that uh, were said about luka Doncic, and there's a bit of bias with european players uh 
and their lack of athleticism come into the league. But this can be hidden when you have a really good offensive game, right? And then Troy Brown Jr., another combo guard that grew well into the bubble uh, in his playmaking, but he's unable to guard, you know, point guards right to play the point guard position uh full time you know probably would be the two guard um and need a point guard next to him but that's still an interesting you know uh uh uh, person for them going to the season and then finally so the fifth point really that we want to make with with the wizards is where could they finish in the east right and ultimately this draft uh sorry this trade um and even the drafts that they've made as well are going to be judged by where they finish this playoffs bradley beal his future is going to be you know judged by how they finish this season going into the players and how they perform in the playoffs right so we need to look at the competition for that seven to ten spot because this season being a playing tournament uh, for that eighth spot uh, between eighth, ninth and tenth, um, you know, where's the competition going to come from? Because if you believe the Bucks, Toronto, Brooklyn, Philly, uh, Philadelphia, uh, the Heat and Indiana are top six lock. I don't think Indiana is a top six lock, but if you believe that they are a top six lock, the seven to ten spot will be, you know, uh, Atlanta, Hornets, Orlando and the Wizards. Okay. In terms of uh, which teams are closer to the top six than you know the the seven to ten, I'd say Atlanta right now is probably the closest. But I think Wizards can definitely give them a run for their money and try and finish either in that eighth spot and do well. Look, if the Wizards are in a playoff, uh, so in the playing tournament against the Hornets or the Orlando Magic, I definitely do like their chances more because of you know the individual quality of a Westbrook and Beal on any given night right and and what do we want to see from the Wizards going forward you know they have an incredible offensive team right looking at some of their numbers from last season with the foursome of Beal, Bertans, Hachimura and Bryant um scoring 119 points per 100 possessions last season you know for context like i said the mavericks had the 100 and, uh, had 115 points per possession as a team which was the best offense in history right and i can remember there was this game that the wizards played against the rockets last year where it was like 154 to 152 or something like the, the houston rockets won um, and this is a team that had a top 15 offense last season uh, but for some stretches at the start of the season was top 10 but they were the worst team defensively in the league, you know, um, or second worst team in the league. Um, and, and that's where they really need to improve. I think this team is a walking bucket, but, you know, you can't play basketball ping pong, right? You can't just say, I'm just going to run to the basket, uh, score my two points, but I'm going to let you run back to the basket and score your two points. No, you can't do that, right? So definitely, I do think overall, the Wizards won this trade just from a position of less risk, not giving up insane draft capital that the Houston Rockets were asking for. And then the, the fit of the team with Westbrook in there, right? And the development of the young guys going forward. So, Wizards are definitely a team to look out for last se uh, next season, and you know we, we we definitely will judge them. I think by the time the All Star game comes around or the All Star break, sorry, comes around, um, see how Bradley Beal has has progressed. If, you know if he if he's happy with the team as well that's going to be a big indicator of their success in the future and i'm not going to focus on the houston rockets as much as i did on uh, the washington wizard just because i don't care about this franchise anymore um they've been ran into the ground over the past few years unfortunately since you know tillman fatita came it's just been a dismantling of this team that made the playoffs every single year that daryl Morey was in charge 
but you know what does this mean for Houston right and to me immediately the only thing that comes to mind is James Harden is on the way out now it might not be by the start of the season but definitely before the trade deadline I expect James Harden to be gone because you had a situation where the Houston Rockets were initially asking for multiple first round picks you were never going to get that for Westbrook right but have now softened their stance a few weeks later understand look there was no value in the market and this team it's either we're rebuilding or we're not okay you can't half ass rebuilding right otherwise you become the Orlando Magic you know just the perennial eighth seed team right you cannot half ass rebuilding you're either rebuilding or you're not rebuilding um and it's a situation now where i think look with allowing this Westbrook trade to happen this is something that can't be okayed without James Harden and I think it's a thing where look you're probably telling management's probably telling Harden look we're letting Westbrook go and you're next okay we just want to get some value for you and what does value look like I think with James Harden that's getting another superstar um you know blue chip superstar somebody like a Ben Simmons um you know or Carl Anthony Towns, for example, you know, they'll, they'll never get that, but that sort of level of, you know, or a Bam Adebayo, or, you know, somebody that has all NBA potential. Realistically, you know, in terms of the fact that Harden has gone out and said, look, I want to go to Brooklyn, what does that mean? You probably get uh, two young stars or three young stars but none with that all NBA potential. But then you also want draft compensation and that's pretty much half a decade of uh, someone some teams you know drafts period like you know you want at least five first round picks in the next 10 years um, just like the same hold the New Orleans Pelicans got for um, Anthony Davis but if we are to assume that you know James Harden probably isn't on the way out and this is just a thing where you know the Houston Rockets do see the future of John Wall and, and James Harden well that future is very bleak Alright, let's be honest, that future is very bleak because John Wall, like I said, look, in my opinion, this guy, if healthy, is a top five point guard in either conference, right? You know, probably wouldn't be top five overall, but top five point guard in either conference. But we do not know what we're getting back, right? We don't know the type of John Wall that is coming um in, in, in you know into this into this next season. So we definitely need to see, okay, look. What's the fit, even if John Wall is healthy? This is a point guard who needs the ball all the time. Um, and his his way of playing is getting others involved, driving to the paint, all this, you know, using his, his, his athleticism, being able to push the pace, being pretty much the fastest guy in the NBA when healthy. And you're playing a game with James Harden, who's a ball stopper, who doesn't move around on offense, you know... It, he wants to iso all the time. John Wall, you know, prior to his injuries, uh, due to the the bone spurs and the things that were happening with his heel, um, was not able to move off the ball as well. So can you have two players that don't move off the ball in a five man team? Absolutely not, because you see where the NBA is going. You need cutters. You need guys that you know can um, move and screen off the ball and get 
in get others involved right so for me i think the fit really isn't there um and you know there's been a lot of talk of you know john wall and boogie reunion like it was in kentucky but we're not in 2012 anymore like we're not in 2012 anymore like we're not in 2011 anymore like boogie as well is coming off what acl and an achilles injury like back to back like i mean John Wall, we don't know what John what what sort of player John Wall is. We don't know. We definitely don't know what sort of player Boogie is, right? Um, locking themselves as well into that Christian Wood three years, forty five million. You know, I just don't understand what the Houston Rockets are trying to do. Are you trying to rebuild or not? And that's why you know this Westbrook deal definitely makes me believe. Okay, this is the first step to getting. Um, to tearing that team down completely and getting James Harden out the door. So let's definitely look, you know, look out for um, some news regarding that. Probably, look, NBA season starts in three weeks. And, um, you know, let's just see if Brooklyn makes an offer between the next three weeks or they wait and hold tight into the trade, uh, into the trade deadline. So, you know, that's basically everything for the John Wall uh, Westbrook trade. And we just want to touch on some other news um, just before we, we finish this podcast. So LeBron James uh, and Anthony Davis uh, pretty much signed, you know, ex- so LeBron James extension with the, with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers is confirmed. Uh, it was, I think, two years extra of 84 million something like that um and then ad is signed a five-year 190 million dollar extension or that's been reported he just needs to put pen to paper um sometime this week and what does that really mean for the lakers right this is a this is a team that pretty much everyone thought okay wants to uh, keep their big stars on short-term deals so they're able to get a third star in free agency uh at the end of the season and that's pretty much been put to bed now with the extension of these guys completely removing any max cap space that they could have had. And it shows to me, I think, the endorsement to the front office that LeBron James and Anthony Davis have given, right? This, these are, um, you know, you've been hearing LeBron talk the past few days of you know, this team's gotten younger, right? Um, and I think the Lakers are looking at it as like, look, we want to lock in our guys now because we believe in our guys. There's no time, you know, better for um, us to, to to lock in these guys than doing it now because you just don't know about the, the certainty of, of of these guys going forward and what what could happen. But let's so let's lock it lock them in now. Um, and we've been able to build a good team around them with Schroeder and KCP, etc., etc. And then you also look at it from the lebron james perspective like this is a guy that's going into his age 36 season you want to have that financial security now okay obviously you had the groin injury uh the season prior but there's probably no better time for you as an individual to lock in now and you know it's time to to buy high but so or sell high um and and for Anthony Davis, similarly, right? You know, he could have signed a two plus one, and you know, be able to re up for another two fifty million dollar max in in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. But again, twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four, they're not given, okay? And it's a situation where, for me as a player, if I was a player, look, if somebody offers me five years, one hundred ninety million dollars, 
why would I, and, and that's fully guaranteed, why would I ever say no to that, right? Even after the end of that deal, AD would only be, what, 32? And then he can still sign a five-year, 300 million or whatever it is when when, you know, when the, um, the cap increases in the next five years. So to me, it's more of an endorsement, endorsement of the front office and the job that Rob Palenka has done and Genie Buss and the fact that, you know, Lakers are a world-class organization that takes care of their superstars and that's why everybody wants to join them that's why everybody wants to play around lebron james because of the way they take care of players right in the lakers you saw what they did with kobe bryant after he came after achilles injury and he he got what two years 80 uh sorry two years 48 million which he probably didn't deserve but look that's an appreciation of the 17 years of service that he had done to them you know for them prior so um very very good business overall this summer for the los angeles lakers and that's in contrast you know to what what's been going on next door with the clippers this week we had paul george being a bitch in uh, on the oil the smoke uh, podcast and my goodness i'm tired of this guy because he doesn't want to take accountability for his own errors right talking about doc rivers playing him in pin downs and playing him like a jj reddick and ray allen forgetting the fact that paul george had the highest usage rate in pick and rolls in his entire career with 33% of all his plays being in the pick and roll. And it's like compared to your career average 24%, but you're saying Doc's only playing you pin down. Take responsibility for the fact that you pissed the bed. All right. Like no one else is going to tell you this. And it's like, you want to build chemistry and you want to build, you know, a sense of togetherness. And And the first thing you do when you have a media opportunity is to say that it was all on the coach when it wasn't all on the coach you had three different opportunities to close out the game, even with the lack of adjustments, as you say, right? Which I, I can definitely say, look, that's that's Doc Rivers' fault for not making adjustments. You were up 15 in each of these games, you know, either by the third quarter or going into halftime, and you still couldn't close out any of these games. Take responsibility. Own up for the fact that you've not been good enough, not just last season, but in the two playoffs before that, right? And say, look, I'm going to get better. But that's not Paul George. And frankly, I'm just tired of that guy anyway. But yeah, you know, um, still a lot to be to be uh, uh, excited for going to the uh, opening of the NBA. So the NBA's opening schedule came out. And on December the 22nd, uh, we will kick off with uh, the Warriors against the KD's Nets. Um, and then also we'll have the Clippers against uh, the Lakers. And then going into uh, the day after, we'll have the Celtics against the Bucks, um, And then the Mavericks against the Suns. But then the Christmas Day uh, games will be headlined with, you know, uh, with the Lakers at... Uh, with the Mavericks at the Lakers and then the Clippers at the Nuggets. So definitely a lot to be excited for and look forward to as the season progresses. Um, and, and please make sure you engage with the, with the Instagram page and the Twitter as well. Make sure that you um, subscribe on your uh, individual platforms, on your podcast platforms. Um, you know, share this podcast with, with whoever you can. Share the page with whoever you can. And DM me, you know, let me know um, what you think about some of the points that I raised in this podcast. Let me know some of your thoughts. I've been having arguments with, with a couple of people that were uh, annoyed with me for leaving Harden outside of my top five list in the Q&A pod. Um, you know, and that's the sort of engagement I do want uh, from the community, you know, bring up any points any things that you might not have understood or you want to clarify or you know you might have questions about 
Because look, this is going to be a long season and, and, and I don't want to feel like I'm just talking to myself in every single podcast. Hopefully we do have some guests uh, coming in the next few episodes and w- you know we, we will improve with the consistency and getting videos out. Definitely one thing I want to do looking into the next few episodes uh, uh, before the week uh, before the season starts is to you know profile some of the teams so we've profiled the Wizards today we've profiled the Hawks we've profiled um, the Lakers and Clippers but we want to do more of that going forward looking at let's say the Nets for example and the Bucks and uh, the Heat the Celtics so yeah a lot to look forward to and you know just make sure you keep your eyes peeled and until next time cheers That could be the greatest move I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs>